Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arts is Cooking. Of course, I am your host, Archie Mitchell, back after a two-week hiatus of taking away to spend Christmas and New Year's with my family. And I've got a special guest with me, the owner of the uh, WrestleNet Radio podcast system, the host of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and a slice of time, Mr. Nate Maxson. Hello, Archie. It is a pleasure to be here with you this week, and I hope you had great holidays. I know we communicated a little bit over the yes, holidays, but uh, yes, I hope everything went well and you got everything you wanted for Christmas or Hanukkah. And I hope the same for you as well. Uh, it was definitely nice to spend time with the family. Um, I really didn't ask for much this year. There wasn't a whole lot that I wanted, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. The one thing I did ask for, I didn't, didn't actually get the right thing. It was it was something I want. I asked for an air fryer because I watch all those TikTok videos about the air frying cooking. Right. things and my dad bought me one but he got an air fryer plus which is basically a mini oven it's not yeah the air fryer so <laughs> yes yes i have seen those they are they're much yeah. more of a monstrosity than an air right. fryer actually is yeah right i'm like dad i wanted the one with the basket He's like yeah but this one's better i'm like yeah but i have an oven at home if i wanted to preheat something and bake or do i i just use my oven He's like, right. all right, we're we'll returning you to a new one. <laughs> I want to make chicken wings, not cookies. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> so, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with all of your favorite segments, quick hits, the highlight reel, and of course, the NXT and AEW show reviews. Uh, there will be no Grinds My Gear this year, uh, this week, excuse me, because we're so fresh into the year, there hasn't been anything that's made me grit in my teeth yet and go, damn, why is this happening? You know what I mean? If Nate has something he'd like to... You know, maybe jump in with for grinds my gear by all means. But Nate, let's go ahead and start off with the quick hits. Um, this past week, AJ Styles broke his ankle at a live event and is going to be out for an unknown amount of time as of right now. Uh, of course, because he hasn't had surgery or know what the, the rehab time is going to be. And it looks like he could be missing the Royal Rumble for the first time in quite a few years. Yeah, actually, the tweet that he put out. He actually mentioned that this is probably going to be the longest he's ever had to be away from the ring. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that's so pretty I, don't know, I don't know what that, yeah, I don't know what that time frame is, but um, we hope he gets better sooner than later. I agree. And the, the thing that's bother, is bothering me is one, he's not going to be in the rumble, which he usually does fantastic at them. Two, uh, if he's gone for a little while and someone steps into his, pot, his spot, it's going to make it a little harder for him to get back into that, you know, mid card main eventer spot. Right. And three, what does this mean for Gallows and Anderson, who kind of weren't doing their absolute best this time around, you know, under Triple H, you know, bringing them back? Yeah, do they get you lost in the I mean? shuffle? Yeah. Right, right. Or could they be released again? Or could they possibly be sent down to NXT until AJ gets back? Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, AJ was the glue keeping them kind of all together. Exactly. They were they were his support, you know, his right. supporting cast. Right. Yeah. So uh, with AJ being gone, it is going to, you know, hurt in a few different areas. But we do wish him a speedy recovery. And I hope that when he comes back, we actually see him possibly in a world title picture because we haven't seen him in one of those in quite some time. And uh, it would be, I don't know how, I don't know how close he is to wanting to wrap it up. But I think, uh, I think a nice title reign, you know, of some sort is a, I don't know. It's a fitting end to his career. Like I said, I don't know. Maybe AJ's, you know, he what he's in his early 40s or mid 40s yeah, now. Yeah. Maybe he's like, I want to wrestle till I'm 50. I don't know. But um, right. I know, I know he's pretty much said, you know, he's not going anywhere but WWE. So, right. He said he's definitely finishing his career in the WWE. 
And that could mean that he could end up in a front office job or as a booker or a coach in right. NXT once he's done, which would be great. You know, that you love to hear that about guys who love the business so much taking, you know, once they're done in the ring, taking their step away, but not going far away. They're just in the back, you know. Exactly. Well, yeah. Whatever happens, uh, I know that I would love to see AJ Styles, whether it be Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns, or whoever has the world title after WrestleMania when he gets back. It would be great to see AJ challenging for the title again. Uh, number two, Bray Wyatt to face LA Knight at the Royal Rumble in a new match type that was announced this past Friday night on SmackDown. Um, the Mountain Dew pitch black match. What the actual fuck? And we are in the we are in pitch black as to what this match actually is. Right. Like I'm wondering, is right. it? Is it like a blindfold match, like Jake the Snake and Model Rick Martel had? Is it? Is it? I, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm betting it's going to be something cin- cinematic, right? Or either, or they're just going to kill the house lights in the arena. You know what I mean? And leave just the ring light on, you know, and a little bit for them to see. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm imagining. I, in my heart, I'm imagining like a boiler room brawl, like The Undertaker and Mankind, right? And that would be fantastic. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, but it's WWE and they're just going to make it just dark and they're just going to make it stupid. And then, okay, Uncle Howdy's going to come out and do whatever he's going to do. And you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's where, that's where with me, um, being such a big fan of Bray, sometimes mm-hmm. it's like a, it's a, um, what do I want to say? It's a catch 22. Cause right. I think he's, I think he's great. I love his promos. I love his character. Um, but sometimes, there's thing like the swamp thing match, right? You know, right. stuff like that where it's just or when when set when he got set on fire as the fiend and burnt to a crisp or whatever. And you could tell this, it was a dummy sitting in the ring. Yes, right. and, and they're they're just it. It's like I love this character so much, but there's so there's so many times where they take it too far. Wrestling's not real. We all get it, but I need to be able to at least think that what's happening is possible. You know. Right. And I don't know. I just I'm hoping that it's not because I know that from what everything that I've heard or read, most of what's going on with Bray. I, I mean, Hunter's giving him a lot of um, creative right, freedom him with his own whole, character. Right. So hopefully he's he's got something in mind that's that's um, that's not going to be. I, I don't even want to use the word stupid, but just it's so over the top that you roll your eyes. I, I look if you even if they wanted to be slightly stupid. But if they get us with a wow factor somewhere during the match, then that's fine. Like, if it's a cinematic match, but they catch me at one point where I go, ooh, I like that, then yeah. I'm okay with yeah. it. Like the Boneyard match. We yeah, all I, was ju- I, was just, I, was ju- I was just about to say it. The, it the Boneyard match. Good. Well, yeah, even the yeah. John Cena versus The Fiend match where Cena mm-hmm. turned NWO, that got me hyped. But if it's going to be like that Swamp match – where at the ending I went, okay, I don't want to watch wrestling anymore for like three weeks. I can't handle that. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. the Rumble, so it's on the, one of the largest scales the WWE have. So I'm worried that this could hurt the Bray Wyatt character. I mean, let's face it. The crowd is still cheering when he makes his entrance. I mean, I mm-hmm. love the entrances. I love the promos. But you could see the fans starting to grasp at straws for him and not know what to do. And that's yeah, why they it's, introduced it- Uncle Howdy. Yeah, I, I think it's do something. Yeah, I agree. I've I've thought for a couple of weeks that, like you said, I love Bray and I love you know I love his character and everything. But I've been wanting for a couple of weeks for this story to go somewhere. I want it to progress. Right. It's progressing exactly. almost too slowly. 
Right. And, and they they're wondering is he possibly injured and he, maybe they had to give him time to heal. Right. Or right. maybe he just didn't have his confidence yet to be back in the ring or what, whatever have you. But I'm just afraid that the fans are going to turn on him. And then, okay, we've got Uncle Howdy. And then there's that Uncle Brody character they've been talking about as well. And mm-hmm. possibly re- reintroducing Alexa Bliss. And and that's all great. But if the fans turn on him, then he's going to lose his self-confidence even more. Because as we can see, Bray has a lot of issues with anxiety and, and things like that. And especially since Brody Lee passed, he's even you know gone so far, going to not know how to handle himself. It could turn bad instantly. Right. In real ways, not just in his wrestling career. Yes. So whatever yes. the case may be, uh, him saying a small prayer and lighting candle for the Mountain Dew pitch black match <laughs> at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> and finally, the our third and final quick hit. I never thought I'd actually be saying this. Uh, after the year of 2022 where we saw the Ric Flair's last match, but is it or isn't it? And then even Ricky Steamboat coming back for one last match. Vince McMahon has returned to the WWE Board of Directors and will help in the sale of WWE. Now, Nate, I know you are passionate about this, so I'm going to go ahead and give you first dibs to talk about it. Go ahead. Well, my first thought was when I saw what he was doing, um, I thought, well, art imitates life. Mr. McMahon is back. Um, Vince did, and and I have have a... um, Looking at when I first saw Vince McMahon making move to come back, he you know he's majority shareholder. He has right. the he has the he has the shares to do these things. I thought fuck, I don't I, I don't I just don't want Vince back in creative. Okay, right. As far as as far as the boardroom goes and the company goes, the the company itself has always been in good hands with Vince in charge. Right. Um. He's for, as far as a businessman goes. Here's here's my opinion on it. Now, as everybody knows, he brought back uh, with him Michelle Wilson and George Barrios, who are two of his oldest cronies, <laughs> um, and uh, kicked a butt, kicked three other people off the board so that they could take possession back. Um, at one point, right. from what I understand, when he was making his writing his letters to the board and making his attempt to come back, they were trying to stop it. And he literally threatened to bankrupt the place if they didn't let him come back. Um, and I think yeah. what is happening, I, I think my perception of things, and and, and I'm going to say it's not a necessarily a bad thing because I understand. I mean, Vince, number one, is a narcissist, okay? Um, of course. My, my friend and I were just talking about it the other day. He's essentially, uh, he's the same personality tra- type as Donald Trump, okay? Oh, he's without a text, doubt. He's a textbook narcissist. But here's where I see his point. He built this company into a publicly traded billion-dollar company. And I've said, and Archie, you know, I've been predicting that they, they had brought Nick Khan in and all that to get the, the sale, company re- right. ready to be sold two years ago. I think what happened was Vince said, I built this. So if 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 you're if we're gonna sell it, I want to facilitate the sale, and I want to be the, right. the reaper of the benefits. And I don't blame him if I build if, my, if no, this company, you know, if this company would ever get to the point where I could sell it, I'd want to sell it and make money off of my spoils. You know, it's his hard work, and um, I uh, okay, and then 
prediction wise actually your comments on everything i just said first well i i agree with you definitely a textbook narcissist always believes his own hype but when it comes to doing actual business in a boardroom for that company he is the number one guy to do it um mm -hmm. and i don't necessarily trust nikon in that if they would have sold the company without vince being at the head of the board of directors that he would have given vince his just due and and his you know his share he might have tried to pull a move or something like that and that's what, well, that's I, what I think that's what i think vince perceived <laughs> yeah yeah and it might even have been stephanie or triple h telling them something they saw or heard you know because they're still there hey dad this guy ain't gonna do bright by you you know right but what i do respect about him is that he did say after he returned and after you know he wrote a letter to let everybody know he was back was that he's not going to bother day-to-day -day operations he's not getting involved in creative triple h will stay ahead of creative and leave everything triple h is doing in place so we know that the wrestling programs will not get messed with yet what i am afraid of though is who buys it mm -hmm. because there are a few names on the list right now that look like the shits the the um sorry the biggest the biggest thing that i thought about when i saw that list mm -hmm. was I, I i i don't trust half of that list and here's why i say that right. because the list that they brought out i think it was um was it um i forget what fox, ringside or something. uh nbc and, and comcast mm -hmm. fox usa was what was na named but then retracted uh, because I guess USA is owned by Viacom anyway, so if NBC buys it, it's still considered USA property. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Disney, ESPN, and then the Saudi Arabian company that owns the TV rights there in Saudi Arabia for all the, you know, crown jewel things. Um, I think your most potential buyer will tie into the TV rights fees. Right. So, and the reason that's why I don't think I don't I don't I wouldn't bet on the Saudi government getting it just because they don't have they don't have the platform that oh, right. to have exactly. like the exposure in the United States and stuff. Um, and some of the other like Disney, eh, I don't I I know Disney gets I brought up because they're yeah, and I know they get brought up because they're such a big conglomerate. But I would lean toward either Fox or mostly I'm leaning toward Comcast NBC because right. it makes and here's, sense. here's why here's why I say that if you if you are say you're sitting at the helm of NBC, you're in negotiations with WWE to carry their television shows and to be the provider of the WWE network. Right. Right. Um, and you're going to say, OK, television rights mm -hmm. fees, we're going to pay you a billion dollars over five years. Or we can buy the whole company for $5 billion and never have to pay television rights fees again. Right. So financially, for a company like them, it makes much more sense to it just buy the sense. whole company. Yeah. Right. Instead of having to pay fees to somebody else for, you know, when, when five years are up or whatever. So I agree. that's my prediction. I, I predict, I predict, I predict NBC. And then I think everything and, just winds up, winds up I on Peacock. I think that it would I, I think that it would be in good hands with NBC because Vince has had business dealings with NBC dating back to the eighties with yes. the first Saturday night main events and all the WrestleMania specials they put on, you know, and then they're on Peacock already with the network and everything. So it only makes sense. If it's Fox, okay, SmackDown is on Fox, so it makes sense again. And Fox is a sports channel. They have places yes. to put their their shows. 
You know, mm-hmm. you move Raw to, to, to Fox and put SmackDown and FS1 and everybody's happy. You know what exactly. I mean? Everybody's got a channel. Yeah. And you put NXT wherever you can put NXT on FS1, 2, or whatever. But it just, the, Disney and the Saudi government make me very scared because I don't want to see a real live action princess. You know what I mean? Right. Or Bray Wyatt <laughs> being a- the beast. That, well, I was going to say, I just I just told my buddy the other day, we were because we were talking about all this, I said, um, Disney buys it, and all of a sudden, Roman Reigns is on the Avengers, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> I made a joke. I told, I told my wife, because I, I was reading it out loud, and I told her, I'm like, okay, Disney buys it. If one day the Mandalorian decides to come out, no big deal. I'll be, I'd be hyped for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it's, it's a cool concept. But... If one day they turn like Alexa Bliss into an actual wicked queen, and right. then she starts haunting Emma, you know what I mean? It's like this is corny. <laughs> you know, are they? What are they going to do? Like, you know how Fox has the robots on SmackDown from the football yeah. games? And yeah. Like, what are What are we going to see? Thumper and Bambi coming down to the. I was going to say yeah, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, yeah. I don't want to see that. So. Welcome to Raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but yeah, Mr. I, I, Mr. I, Man Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting my. If I was a betting man, I'd be putting my chips on on NBC most likely. Yeah, me too. I, I, that's the one I'm hoping for. So moving away from the quick hits, we go to the highlight reel, uh, and you guys have to excuse the. Little intros in between each segment. I was not fully prepared to, uh, to you know, the, the place I have my music and everything set was not ready to go tonight, wasn't charged. So I apologize for that. And we'll be back next week, though. Not trying to be unprofessional with you guys. But the highlight reel this week, Monday Night Raw starting us off as usual Monday night. Uh, the Bloodlines opening an attack to begin the show, uh, along with their uh, back and forth with um, Adam Pierce and Kevin Owens was fantastic. I happen to love everything they're doing with the bloodline right now. Uh, I just think that it's the perfect stable. That's They're kind of coming off like the NWO a little bit, like they're trying to take over and do it their way. But then, of course, they are because you've got the universal undisputed champion as their head. So, of course, that needs to happen. They, um, they are... The Bloodline is one of my five favorite things to watch on wrestling every week because everybody knows that I, you know, you hear me talk ad nauseum about how I don't, I don't watch the whole shows anyway. I fast forward to what I want to see, right. and the, the Bloodline is any anytime they're involved is something I do not fast forward through. Nope, I watch everything involved with them. The back and forth with Sami Zayn and uh, Paul Heyman have, has been amazing the last couple of weeks. You know what I mean? Him calling him Bubba and Schmooly, and yeah. it's like it's it's been cute. But then you get the Roman Reigns factor in there, and then you know we'll get to what happened on on Friday. But it's been it's been fantastic. And then moving along to the second segment that I like the most, Solo Sokol versus Elias in that Music City Street fight. Solo is a modern day Umaga, only smaller, and I love that. That's the way they're building him up. You know, yeah, that great. bulldozer, that bulldozer enforcer for the, the group. It's been perfect. I I um I was just thinking the other day, uh, when I had surrounded out my 2022 um I, I had posted at one point a uh my you know my my picks for 2022 wrestler of the year, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um I forgot to put a rookie of the year, but 
It's a it, to me rookie of the year last year for 2022 was a tie between Solo and Braun Breaker. Agreed. Agreed. I would have loved to see both of them go at it in NXT, but of course mm-hmm. Solo got called up. But I mean his 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 matches with Carmelo Hayes and everybody he dealt with in NXT and since he's got to the main roster have been superb. But the the action of this match, Nate, seeing him basically rock bottom Elias onto a piano was badass, in my opinion. It was mm-hmm. straight out of the Attitude Era. So I like that they went for that aspect this way around. Because we've seen these street fights before, the, the Christmas street fights and the Thanksgiving Day, you know, battles yeah. and things. And there's always a pumpkin involved or a, a, a pie or something. It was nice to see them use the weapons for all they were worth, actually, instead of it just yeah. being a big joke. So Exactly. And finally, the main event between uh, Seth Rollins and Austin Theory was superb. You've got two guys who can do it all in the ring. Both of them still young because Seth Rollins is not exactly in his 40s or 50s. He's still in his mid, you know, mid-30s. And Austin Theory, in my opinion, which has changed on him in a big way over the last few months, he is the future. Yeah, he's, he's really good. And for him to be the age he is and then to hang in the ring with guys like Lashley and Rollins like he does right. just shows you he's... um. He's every bit as good at his age now as Randy Orton was when he was that right. age. Right. It's that same prodigy type of, you know, that blueprint. It's almost like mm-hmm. they cloned him off of a young Randy Orton. Yes. And I, I've enjoyed his work the last month and a half, two months. And Rollins has been a bright spot on Raw. Like you mentioned, the bloodline. Well, I have to watch everything Seth Rollins has been doing lately as well. And it's just been a bright spot of Monday Night Raw. And the scary part, though, is after this match took place and he was walking to the back, he actually fell down and hurt his leg again and then put up a, a tweet that said, rebuild, redesign, you know, all, like he did before. Yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering, is he injured now? So could the world... Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't, I haven't a couple heard big guys. since. But, yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard anything since, anything. but... Yeah. So moving on to Wrestle Kingdom 17... First time I've added New Japan to a highlight reel or anything on this show in quite a while. Uh, we had the debut of Sasha Banks as Mercedes Monet. Can't explain to you how stupid that name is for me because she didn't spell it as money. It's M-O-N-E apostrophe. Like why? And then her ha- her hair. Her hair yeah. looked like her hair looked like when there's a motor oil in a puddle. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. I when somebody <laughs> showed me the picture before I watched Wrestle Kingdom. I'm like, okay, is that yellow? Is that red? Is it blue? What is it? Then somebody showed the meme where it's spoiled cheese. And I went, yes, that's exactly what it was like. <laughs> but then uh, one of our, our buddies from the asylum, Andy Shiv Kumar, told me it was paying tribute to Eddie Guerrero. Those were flames. And I'm like, really? Well, whoever did him like did, did a me. bad job. Yeah, it didn't look like you that know. to me at all. It looked like, it looked, but, like I said, it looked like uh, a puddle with oil in it. You know, but on, besides that, her promo fell flat, which a lot of people defended and said, well, the Japanese audience don't pop for everything. Japanese fans just clap and don't really make big hoorahs unless it's something really big. Well, she's something really big. They're paying her $200,000 per appearance. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. $2 million in total. And she botched her first move on Kiri Sane. Uh, she was doing like a, a gory bomb into a, a DDT. And it totally looked like crap. She literally missed the move altogether. Um, I, I guess, though, I'm going to say it like this, Nate. This is what happens when you're not under the WWE umbrella. You know what I mean? You end up yeah. with 
crazy looking uh, attire and gimmicks and things, and then you end up with, you know, a, a bad first impression. Um, I just, I don't understand. For the amount of money she was probably making in WWE, she bitched and moaned that she wasn't making Charlotte or Becky Lynch money. Well, I'm sorry, you're not Charlotte or Becky Lynch. Right. You know, and you've done a lot for the company, but you ain't done what they've done. So, you know, exactly. fight the bullet. Yeah. Bite the bullet and do better and stop walking away whenever you're pissed. Mm -hmm. Well, and I was going to say that just real quick. Um, I just, I remember when she was in NXT Mm -hmm. and I would watch her and I thought to my, I I really, really honest to God thought when she was in NXT, what, eight, nine years ago or whenever it was, I thought she was one of the best wrestlers in the world. Mm -hmm. I was like, this girl is going to be amazing. And as yep. her as she evolved, and I think a lot of her attitude has a lot to do with it. A lot of her, it, it was almost like she stopped wanting. She stopped being not hungry for. It's like she stopped being hungry for um, to to learn, and she just right. was like, "This is this is where I'm at. I want to make a bunch of money." And right. she really, to me, she fell off a cliff at some point. I didn't. I but yeah, like I said, when she was younger. <laughs> I was like, wow, this girl's great. And then she, over the she years, she lost back, me. She made me go back and watch her earlier tapes when she was on the indies. And I went, wow, she's, she's come a long way. And then mm-hmm. I she she made her debut with the Four Horsewomen, obviously. And they all did their thing. And she was doing fantastic. And yeah, she might have had a couple of short title reigns. But she was still winning a title. And she was still in high-profile matches. You know what I mean? And then the right. turnaround of it all is, is, okay, she walked out the first time because she was upset with her position in the company. Vince brought her back, gave her a big, bigger contract, made her a bigger star. And then she still walked out because she didn't want to do the job to Ronda Rousey or Charlotte Flair. Well, yeah, that's what this, this job is, doing a job when you don't want to. Exactly. You know. <laughs> so, Number two from Wrestle Kingdom, I know you're not a big fan of Kenny Omega, but Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay in the secondary main event was phenomenal i mean it was a lot of flippy stuff like we we, we've come accustomed to but when they weren't flipping around and actually having a wrestling match these Mm -hmm. guys went 45 minutes and was astonishing the crowd i mean they were on their feet for the whole damn thing the japanese crowd the japanese crowd loves those guys yeah yeah, you know they really do and just because i don't doesn't mean that they can't that's you know that's what i always say to each their own. I will. I will probably, honestly, never watch the match. <laughs> but uh, you know, it. I'm glad. I'm I'm glad the Japanese fans and the well, people that like those guys got to see them perform together. I will say this: I'm glad I watched the match before Dave Meltzer released his review because he gave it seven seven and a quarter stars. Of course and he did. <laughs> I felt like I was listening to Ed McMahon when I saw him say it. You know how they used to do on uh, the Star Search. So. Uh, seven and a quarter star, you know. And it was yeah. Like, why so big? Why couldn't it just be five? Why yeah. isn't five the maximum? You know what I mean? They yes. were great. Oh, he's yeah. He's got he's gone insane the past. He's they like were great, but it wasn't Flair Steamboat. It wasn't Steamboat Savage. It was you know what I mean? It was right. not an all around wrestling match. Mm-hmm. So, but then the, here's the entire contrast of this. Are you ready? Number three, Okada versus Jay White. They only left their feet to do a, a high-risk maneuver twice through the whole match. They had a knockdown dragout fight in that ring for, again, 40 minutes. So the Japanese mm-hmm. audience watched Omega and, and, and Osprey for 45 minutes. 
and then an additional 40 minutes of Okada versus Jay White. And they don't do a lot of promos and things in between matches in right. Japan. It's right. one after another. So for an hour and 25 minutes, they sat there and they applauded and they watched. And then guess what Mr. Meltzer gave them? Five stars. Five stars. <laughs> Which was the better well, wrestling match. His his boyfriend wasn't in the match. Right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, but which that match I once once I can once I can get my hands on on it I am going to watch that cuz I do like Okada and I really like Jay White. I heard WWE is actually looking at him. They're looking at Jay White, they're looking at Tama Tonga and they're looking at Tonga Lo who is Tama's mm-hmm. uh, little brother. They're all the sons of Haku. But if they take Tama Tonga and Tonga Lo and they don't take the other one, the the middle one that used to be there as uh with with Sinkara, you know, yes. you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I can't remember then, his then name. I think he's Tonga Leo or something like that. They're all, you know, in that same name. If they don't bring the three of them in together and have Haku as their manager, they're wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? But as far as, as Jay White and Okada went, fantastic matchup. One of the best main events I've ever seen at Wrestle Kingdom that didn't involve a Kenny Omega or a Tanahashi or any of it, you know, absolutely mm-hmm. was great. The whole Wrestle Kingdom card was good from top to bottom. There were a couple of, you know, parts that really didn't have my interest. But, I mean, the WWE had Carl Anderson there defending his title against Tamatanga, which was a big thing. Uh, FTR was on the card defending the IWGP tag team titles. The whole card from top to bottom was solid. So, if you haven't watched NJPW's Wrestle Kingdom 17 yet, guys, go out of your way to find it on a streaming site or wherever you got to do it. it. It's fantastic. So, and then moving on to SmackDown. The Bloodline and Kevin Owens opened the show. Another great opening, number one. Um, Roman Reigns yelling at Sami Zayn for the first time and actually being pissed off at him was hysterical because it was almost like a dad yelling at his son for missing a grounder on a baseball game. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it came off as just this fatherly yell and Sammy's quivering in the corner. But then here comes <laughs> Kevin Owens and he's like, hey, don't yell at him. You're mad at me, not him. That's what he legitimately said, Nate. And uh, and then a match got made for the Royal Rumble, Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns, which I think Kevin deserves a shot at the title. Yeah. I can't argue yeah. with him, you know, getting a shot at it. I don't think he's gonna win it. Or if they if he does, maybe they'll do it as just one of the belts. So they finally get Roman as not an undisputed champion. So that if they get the Rock or Cody for Mania, then they're, you know, it's an easy out. But Whatever the case may be, I think Kevin at least deserves to, to challenge for the belt. I agree. You know, um, we number two, Escobar versus Kofi Kingston. Santos Escobar, dating back to Lucha Underground, has been one of my favorite luchadors that I've, I've seen. Uh, and, you know, the fact that he's the son of El Fantasma, um, his group has been great. I, I think Zelina Vega is a little overkill. Uh, she's she's just playing the part a little stereotypical in my opinion, but that's fine. But he and Kofi lit it up for 15 minutes, and I, I thought they did a great job. And I'm not a big Kofi Kingston fan these days, right? So you know, uh, I know I know fans are probably going to be like, well, how could you not be a Kofi Kingston fan? 20 years in the ring, this that. He's become too. It's it's one it's one dimensional with the character now. It's strictly New Day. It's strictly Budios. It's you know. Yes. At what point do we split them up or at least change them a little bit so it's not all, you know, 
uh, uh, clapping and laughing and funny and ha ha. You know. Yeah, it's it's time to evolve it. It's time to. Yeah, I you know, and I'm hoping I'm hoping by them going back to NXT, it it does something for them, and maybe they change mm-hmm. them a bit. But you never can tell. Uh, Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn backstage again. Another great segment. Sammy's all apologetic and trying to get under, you know, Roman's good graces again. And Roman's like, out of nowhere, which was a total plot twist. No, Sammy, you don't need to apologize. I need to apologize. I'm sorry for the way I talked to you. And then it totally changed the dynamic. So you went in thinking this is where Sammy starts to get thrown out of the bloodline. But then it turns into Roman still loves him and wants him there. Right. You know, so there are cracks in the foundation slightly, but I think they're for the better. I think that going into the Royal Rumble, it's going to lead to something bigger, and we're all going to be shocked. You know? Can I? Can I? I I just want to interject something. Um, I'm not trying to hijack your show and make it too. Not at all. Please go right ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I I almost as I'm watching this Bloodline Sami Zayn thing, Mm -hmm. and it follow my logic here. WrestleMania is in April this year. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we got four months, and I think because if you're if you're gonna if they can secure the Rock for Mania, all right. So I know the rumor is it's probably gonna be like Roman defends the title one night, and then he's gonna right. face the Rock the next night. Right. Great. Little fantasy booking on my part because mm-hmm. you know the, of course the 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 ultimate thing probably that we're probably going to see is Sammy bloodline turns on Sammy then we get Sammy and Owens versus the Usos at Mania right okay but what I think would be more fun is I like the fact that Roman likes Sam like you just said like Roman's like no I should apologize to you what if. You don't you don't have the bloodline turn on Sammy. You go all the way through WrestleMania. Right. The Rock the Rock beats Roman at WrestleMania. Okay. He's the okay. head of the table. He's the head of the table. Right. And the, the, this is where I'm saying it works because yes, you would think you'd, you'd want to put Roman over because he's the one staying. But what a way to turn Roman face after this. If you have the rock, if you have the rock beat Roman at Mania, the uh-huh. next week, night on SmackDown or Raw or whatever, the Usos. Well, you're not the head of the table, Roman. Right. And then they turn on Roman and Sammy, and Roman becomes a babyface with Sammy. I don't know. I don't know how exactly. It I works, like it. To me, to me, that because it's time. I think it, you could. It, it's time where you could probably turn Roman face, and people would accept it. They're you know. cheering for him anyway until he shits on them, you know, so it right. makes sense. But I've yeah. also heard hidden storylines that, because there was a, a, the statement that Solo Sokol made when he when he first debuted and showed up on SmackDown after Clash of the Castle was, I was sent by the god, by the old, uh, the old tribe, right? The old mm-hmm. gods, whatever you want to call them. What if he was sent by the Rock? Right. And to watch over Roman, to get him to Mania... And after Rock beats him, the entire bloodline, like you said, the Usos and Solo, turn on Roman. Sort of the way the NWO turned on Hogan after yeah. the Rock the Rock beat him. And now the Rock's the head of the table. Roman goes back and f- 
fights The Rock again, finally gets back his title, but it doesn't take back the bloodline because obviously, you know, that's that would be too much flip-flopping. Mm-hmm. And Sammy helps him. Right. You have Sammy and his... It's all he has left because Paul Heyman probably wouldn't stick around either. You know, they could let right. Paul Heyman take a few weeks, a few months sabbatical after that or, you know, help book and not mm-hmm. be on TV so much because what does Roman Reigns need an, uh, an advocate if he's not a, a heel? Right, exactly. I like it. I think it works. I think it. I think it does work. But I don't think that's what I don't think that's what they're gonna do. No. But I just had <laughs> little fantasy booking. I think I, I like where you're going though. If they take the like, if they because they mentioning it being WrestleMania and defending both titles one night each. If mm-hmm. they take one of the belts off of him the first night, and then let The Rock beat him to like the Universal or whatever the second night. Now he's lost everything. Mm-hmm. And then this way you still have a world title on Raw so that the Rock Roman Reigns feud well, doesn't interfere with a title being not being on Raw. Right. Yet. Well, and even even if you even if say Rock's only gonna work Mania, like we can right. only secure him for WrestleMania, you can make the match. You don't have to make the match for whatever title Roman still has. You can make it just for the title of head of the table. Right, right. And Roman can keep his other title. You know, it was a non-title match anyway. But right. now he's a babyface champion, you know. Right. So I like it. Yeah. I, I, I think I think I, I I like it, and I like it if you and I were booking it. But I don't think that like I, I agree with you. I don't yeah, know that's not that's what they're gonna, gonna go. <laughs> no, so, I don't think so. Segment number four from SmackDown last segment. The main event was the Usos versus Sheamus and McIntyre. Titles were on the line. I have a small problem with makeshift tag teams getting a title shot, but this was still a great match. Again, a twenty-minute main event. All four guys having a banger of a matchup, and the, but again, I have this small problem. AEW does the same thing. I'll mention it when I get to that later on. I just I can't. You have teams like you know Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland sitting there, and the Street Profits and the but did you give mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus who haven't won a tag match a shot at the titles? Right. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. But the match was still good. And over on the AEW side for the, the highlight reel on Rampage, Brian Danielson and John Moxley. I'm not a big John Moxley fan, as everybody knows. Um, taking on Top Flight, which is the Martin brothers, Dante and and uh, Darius Martin. Those two kids know how to take a beating and still fight. I I didn't I see. I didn't. I don't. I don't. I don't watch Rampage, so I didn't see right. this. But I really. I, I I think I've said it in the past. I really like Dante. Well, him and his brother. Are the tight? You know that you know the the takes a licking but keeps on ticking tagline. That mm-hmm. should be theirs. You know, what I mean? yeah. Because they're getting pounded in that ring by Moxley and and Danielson, who are two big monstrous guys. And then they're getting up and performing a moonsault ten minutes later. You know what I mean? And it's like wow. Right. And it's not just flippy shit for the sake of flippy shit. This is what they do in the ring, and it looks effortless. And the, the whole match was great. Danielson and Moxley got the win after pounding them into submission. Uh, thank God John Moxley didn't talk because I think he's been talking a little too much lately. It's like every week, we're going to hear from John Moxley. Do we have to? <laughs> you know, he, he's not the champion anymore. Let, let's hear from the world champion. You know? Right. And number two, Darby Allen taking on Mike Bennett. Darby Allen to me is a car crash, but in a good way. You know, he puts his body on the line, and yes, he's that deathmatch guy. You know, he puts himself through barbed wire or whatever he has to to make the match interesting. But he can also wrestle. And Mike Bennett, for me, is an underrated talent. And I think WWE dropped the ball with him immensely. 
because Maria kept getting pregnant and they couldn't be on TV together at the same time. So they were just mm -hmm. like, we got to let this guy go, you know, but <laughs> yeah. fantastic matchup there on Rampage. Uh, you know, not a lot going on on every show, if you notice, Nate. Uh, yeah. There's only three highlights on, on Raw before on SmackDown, most of it having to do with the bloodline because mm -hmm. it's like a lot of everything going into the Rumble right now because of how far the Rumble was from the last big pay-per-view they had. Everything's been repetitive because they got to keep everybody fresh. Right, yeah. You know, so, and I kind of feel that a lot of these guys that are either really getting injured, which are going to be out, obviously, but there are a couple like maybe Seth Rollins and Edge who are feigning injury because they want them to be a surprise appearance in the Rumble. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To make it yeah, special got, so that when they get that countdown. Yeah, you've got to have the you got to have the surprises for the Rumble. So right. I mean, how many years in a row can we see? Oh, it's Bubba Ray. You know what I mean? Because he's mm -hmm. now back in TNA, so and he ain't coming back from Impact for a while. But you can't keep. It can't always be an outside wrestler that you bring back. Sometimes it's got to be your homegrown ta talent. Exactly. Like by then, I think Matt Riddle will be done with his wellness violation, so mm -hmm. he might be a surprise appearance as well. There, um, I maybe not. I don't know. The who else was somebody that I thought um, would possibly show up in the Rumble that I? Oh man, I was thinking about it the other. I I don't remember. Oh, um, um, Booker. Yeah, Booker's action to be involved. He, he tweeted out to Triple H that he could still go and he'd like to be in the Rumble, which he's been in the Rumble before, but mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't I, mind seeing I would, it. I would like to see him be in the Rumble and then maybe get like one of those storylines of, of maybe a heel challenging him so he can have one last match at WrestleMania. Right. I think I think Booker yeah. deserves that. I think that would be cool. And you know what? I could even see it if he doesn't have the title and being Austin Theory because he's got that cocky young heel the heel persona of thinking he's better than legends. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, if he doesn't have a match set up or if he doesn't have the title, you know. But I mean, yeah, there are plenty of guys. Even a guy like NXT that's on NXT, like Grayson Waller, could even challenge him yeah. because they're both on NXT together. Or and Carmelo. Grayson, or Carmelo, exactly. You know, yeah. it's you know so. Speaking of NXT, moving on to our show review. NXT, first show of the new year. Great opening with a retrospective of 2022 and all the highlights that came from last year, which there were a ton in NXT. A lot of people have shit on NXT the last four or five months saying it's uh, kind of been, you know, watered down and it hasn't been as great. I, de I debate that because the new talent that they brought in, Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Tony D'Angelo, even Axiom, for all the corniness of that, he's a mathematician luchador, you know what I mean? They're delivering right. when it comes to wrestling matches. And the storylines have been good. It's been a much better product since um, um, Vince... Shawn Michaels got put... Yeah, yes. you know. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. So. Vic Joseph and Booker T welcome us to the show. We go to our opening match, and it's Carmelo Hayes taking on Apollo Crews. Incredible athletic matchup between these two guys. You can pretty much do it all in the ring. Cruz being back in NXT continues to grow on me because I wasn't quite sure. I was getting worried about all the veterans popping up on the show. But Cruz seems like he's gone back to his roots and is trying to learn from these youngsters, not just take advantage of them, Nate. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and, and Hayes has become a true homegrown talent. Like I said, he is by far what he says he is, an A-star talent, an A-plus talent. Oh, yeah, he's he's fantastic. He's a natural. So. Uh, Hayes hit his finisher at the 20-minute mark, got the win. 
Post-match, Axiom hit the ring, uh, took out both Carmelo and Trick, and this immediately led us to, into our next matchup, which is Axiom taking on Trick Williams. Um, the speed and agility of Axiom was on full display, and he had Trick guessing the entire time. Trick, Trick Williams still needs more seasoning, in my opinion, but as the second to Carmelo Hayes, he's perfect. You know what I mean? I'd like him to be a little smaller, though. You know, like, you know, remember the old cartoons, Nate, of the, the small little pug, but then he had the big bulldog with him? Yeah. And he, yeah. So, as I was saying, I, I look at Trick Williams almost like that tiny little pug dog that used to have the big bulldog in the cartoons, and he'd do all the barking and yapping, and then the bulldog would clean up the mess. That's what I see with Trick, but then Carmelo's smaller, but he could still get mm -hmm. it done in the ring, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was, I was, I was thinking of the analogy of like the bully kid and his little punk buddy from uh, right. the Christmas Story. You know, right? Yeah, exactly. I agree. Uh, Axiom got a huge win at the ten minute mark uh, in this episode. It's starting out great. Post match, Carmelo and Trick attack Axiom now, leave him laying to end the segment. Uh, the schism confronts the New Day and demand the title shot, but then Kofi Kingston decides to answer that to have a singles match with Joe Gacy. What sense does that make? You have a tag team in front of you who are asking for a title shot, and then you go, "No, we'll just. I'm just going to have a singles match with your leader." What? <laughs> you know that makes no sense whatsoever. But they'll be fighting later on tonight. Um, uh, Dominic Dijak then kidnapped Channing Stacks Lorenzo and is assaulting him for his for him being an Italian and having the first name Channing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that makes that's no sense. No sense. <laughs> sounds no like something. Sense. Sounds more like something Dexter Loomis would do. Right. Right. But no, it makes no sense to have be Italian and be named Channing, though, to me. Oh yeah. Okay. You gotcha. I, I want the name. I want the name Tony, Frankie, Paul. You know what I mean? It just yes. doesn't make any sense. Uh, they'll have a match again later on tonight as well. Andre chases and happy about Drew Gulak teaching his students and curses him out, and. uh we also find out that Charlie Dempsey, the son of Stephen Re uh, William Regal, is injured and cannot compete tonight. So it'll be Andre Chase taking on Drew Gulak instead. I like Drew Gulak. I think he's a great wrestler, but not getting the respect that he deserves. Mm -hmm. You know, a uh, little underrated, uh, but I guess you can't push everybody. You know you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things. There's so many guys in the roster. How do you give everybody an opportunity? Exactly. Yeah, so, sometimes sometimes somebody has to move down for a little while. Right, right. Um, so then, um, let me see where I am. There we go. Uh, Dijak taking on Stacks, the newly returned Dijak squash Stacks, and got another win on his path to justice. Uh, and we also find out um, that during the post-match, Dijak continues his beatdown on Channing afterwards. Tony Dean takes the save. And also challenges Dijak to a match next week at New Year's Evil. Now, I wasn't always the biggest Tony D supporter. But now that he's not just trying to be a makeshift Tony Soprano, he's okay. He actually can go in the ring. And, you know, I think a, a feud with Dijak isn't bad. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, we then go to McKenzie, who is with Aura Mensa, who we haven't seen in weeks. Uh, and he's interrupted by Javier Burnell, who... I'm tired of seeing on NXT every week. <laughs> After a Christmas album is pitched, Aura challenges Javi to a match later on tonight. Sigh. Oh. 
<laughs> Action Attraction comes to the ring and talks about 2020, 23 being their year. They say that Roxanne Perez is their first target. And this brings out just about every woman on the NXT roster. A promo battle turned into a brawl. And uh, then the new champion, Roxanne Perez, showed up on the stage and lets them know, well, you guys don't have to fight this week. Next week, there's a women's battle royal. And the winner gets the challenge for the title. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with it, though, because a lot of the women that are in NXT right now actually can have decent matches. So whoever wins, we're guaranteed at least a decent match with the NXT Women's Champion. So I'm kind of pulling for Gigi Dolan or Corey J, though, when it comes to everybody that's involved in this match. Mm -hmm. So uh, then that segment led us into our next matchup because Alba Fire and Isla Dawn never stopped fighting. And they were set to have an extreme resolution match anyway. So both women just fought around the arena and <laughs> used every weapon possible. After a botched table spot where um, Fire tried to put Isla through the table and it didn't break, she finally put her through the table with her finisher and got the win in 15 minutes. I have um, one I have one comment. Yes. Um, and, and full disclosure, folks, I told Archie before we recorded of all the shows that we were talking about on the show, I did not, I have not yet got to watch NXT this week. However, as a broad statement, I think of all the women on the NXT roster, Alba Fire probably has the most upside as far as the main roster Agreed. goes. Agreed. For right now, yes. I agree. She has that look. She's been wrestling, I think, for 10 or 15 years. In the She's UK. different. You know, right, she's different. Exactly. I I don't like the fire thing that she does with the bat, but I could get over that. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like little Kane. You know, but right? I can kind of get over that. You know, but uh, yeah, no, I agree. She, her, she definitely has the most upside. And then at the rest, as the rest of the women go, Roxanne Perez needs a little bit more time, and then she should be ready for the main roster. And the same thing with Gigi Dolan and Cora Jade. Another year, and they should be ready to go. You know, the the women's division should be flourished with talent. Yes. And hopefully by then, Ronda Rousey will be out of the company. So she doesn't kill any of them. <laughs> so, uh, Mackenzie is with Grayson Waller, and he's being his normal douche self. Uh, the main segment tonight of the show is going to be the Grayson Waller effect. Yippee. But at least Braun Breaker will be his um, uh, guest. Uh, we get a good highlight package for the next week's tag match between the Cream Bros and Indoshir, who is Veer um, Mahan and uh, Sanja. Uh, that's going to be a battle of the bulge there because those are two big horse tag teams. You know, um, and I, I really enjoyed what the Creed Brothers have been doing. I think they deserve another run with the tag team titles, but I'm assuming because the New Day are the champions, we're not going to see that anytime soon. Right. So. Uh, Aura Mensa then took on Javi Burnell. This was kind of a pointless match because Burnell is terrible in the ring and on the mic, and Mensa shouldn't have been involved with him. But he got the win in five minutes, so at least it was short but sweet, you know. Kiana James then congratulated Fallon Henley on winning back her bar. I don't know if you've been paying attention to this storyline, Nate, but they've been fighting over a bar. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Fallon Henley, Henley runs her family's bar. Kiana James, who just so happens to be a businesswoman a day and wrestling woman at night, was trying to purchase it for pennies on the dollar. And it's like 1995. Decided, right, exactly. She's like the Duke to Duke to Dumpster Drossy <laughs> of the 2023s. And then 
Fallon won last week, so Keanu said, you know, good job. Here's your bar back. Okay, great. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping this storyline's over after this, but I doubt it. Um, Drew Gulak took on Andre Chase. This was a decent wrestling match, but kind of quick. Both guys, you know, had some nice back-and-forth exchanges, but Gulak snapped and finally took Chase out uh, with the submission. I'm liking what they're doing with Gulak in that they're making him, I'm a wrestler, but if somebody shows me up, I snap and hold the submission, move on too long, or I show no mercy. It's it's a I feel that's like a William Regal type uh, um, storyline there. Yeah, Regal you know, or Angle. A, yeah, you know mm-hmm. either one. Uh, but Gulak got the win in six minutes. Wesley is then shown backstage. He mm-hmm. talks about Dijak and Tony fighting next week, and he'll be ringside doing commentary for the match next week. So I have no doubt he'll get involved. Then Kofi Kingston took on Joe Gacy, and this was a more serious side of Kofi, and definitely a good match. Gacy showed up. Big time and morphed into a good all-around wrestler over the last few months. The schism couldn't get involved. Kofi hit his finisher and got the win in 10 minutes. That's my only complaint about the match. Kofi should not have gone over. I think Gacy gains more with the win over such a long-standing veteran than Kofi gains by beating a rookie. You know, I agree. It just doesn't make any sense. Yes, I agree. Right. And then it's time for my favorite main event segment of always, Grayson Waller effect. Because this guy... Just can't stop talking, you know. He, he reminds me of the Miz, but when he first came in, those first couple of years when he was hosting everything, and he wasn't actually wrestling. It's the know, true story. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, Ron Breaker's his guest. Waller talks shit the entire time, and Breaker just keeps agreeing. This makes Grayson frustrated until Braun lets him know that he's going with the flow and doesn't consider Waller a threat. As Braun goes to leave. Waller talks about his dad, Rick Steiner, and Breaker finally snaps. He hits his finisher on Waller and stands tall to end the show. And this is a good episode and definitely a good lead into New Year's Evil. But I'm giving NXT a 3.5 out of 5 for this week's show. And I hope they deliver with a bigger show next week because they've been promoting it for like the last month. And I think it's deserving of a much bigger, uh, you know, uh, I want a bigger presentation like they do for Halloween Havoc. And, and actually have something to talk about next week rather than right. just being a bunch of 10-minute matches. So, Hopefully they deliver. And now on to AEW Dynamite. Again, the first episode of the new year opens with a new stage design. And I know I'm going to catch some flack like this and people are going to say, well, you're just an AEW hater. No, I'm not. I'm an AEW supporter. But the new design looked like a mixture of Raw and SmackDown put together. Yeah, that's it what that is. red they- and blue. Yeah, the, the thing that I thought when I saw it, the intro video and then the set, was this looks like WWE main event. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it was red and blue with a big screen in the middle of it. And it's like, okay, why? You know, are you trying to do this on purpose? Maybe to get uh, the fans r- riled up or, you know. Excalibur welcomes us to the show. We get a rundown and then we go to the ring for our opening matchup. And it's Chris Jericho taking on Ricky Starks. Very good opener between the vet and the uh, up-and-coming Starks. Jericho was in control most of the match, but Ricky kept making comebacks and got the fans invested. Tons of outside interference from the Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, And I thought it was going to lead to a Starks loss because it took a bat to the head. But he kicked out, kept coming back, and then a spear led to uh, Starks picking up a huge win at the 20-minute mark over Chris Jericho. That, to me, is big. Yeah, and he is yeah. um, 
he is a guy that, and I know Jericho put that uh, other dude, the younger dude, over a couple of weeks ago with right. the, what, like what I call the one, two, three kid gimmick. Right. And, and that was good. It was good. I'm not saying it was anything bad about it, but as far as a main event guy, if I'm looking up and down the AEW roster, if there's a young guy you want to give a win over a veteran like Jericho, it's definitely Ricky Starks. I agree. I agree. He's a good all around um, athlete. He talks great on the mic and he's deserving of the push he's getting. And when we get to later on in the show, I'll go with what I think is the opposite effect of that. But you go right ahead. Mm-hmm. Post-match, uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society, dumbest name ever, hit the <laughs> ring and beat down Starks. Action and Dreddy, complete with full-blown flame on face because he got burned last week by Jericho, uh, hits the ring and begins beating everybody down with chair shots, which nobody's hold. I've never seen anybody take a chair shot, fall down, and get right back up immediately. I've never seen that happen in wrestling. You know, it made no sense. Segment ends with Hager putting Starch to a table. I don't get this booking. I've heard of 50-50 booking, Nate. We all have. You get a win, I get a win over you. You beat me down, I beat you down. But can't Jericho ever lose without there being a, a, a ending of the match melee and him coming out on top? Right, right. It's almost yeah. like, uh, I mean, I know I know he was a baby face and I loved him. He's one of my favorites of all time. But Jericho's current career almost reminds me of like Dusty Rhodes, you know? Yeah. Like right. even when I lose, I still win. Right. I'm getting the last word or the last laugh or something. Just, I mean, I, look, I like Jericho. I've always liked his career. I think he's reinvented himself in AEW perfectly. But at what point do you step away from the spotlight and beginning putting people over for the right reasons instead of so you could still have the spotlight? Exactly. You know? Tony Schiavone is in the ring, and he's ready to interview Adam Page. Uh, he says he still isn't cleared, but he will do everything he can to get cleared next week and face Moxley at the forum. Mox shows up. They trade some pe- pleasantries, and then the mic messes up, which Moxley drops three F-bombs while waiting for a new mic, which I think he should pay the damn fine for if they get fined by the FCC. Uh, Mox then proceeds to pick on Adam Page and make fun of him. Which makes Adam Page guarantee that he'll get his revenge on Moxley next week. Mm-hmm. I hope Adam Page wins. Oh, same. I'm tired of yeah, I'm, I'm tired of seeing Moxley always win. Well, first of all, Moxley's overrated. I agree. My opinion, um, and uh, Adam Page is one of my one of my AEW guys. Like if I'm if I'm right. talking about AEW, he's one of my one of my faves. Um, but also. Moxley, during this whole thing, was very unprofessional. Yes. Yes. And he gets he away with it. He, it. he gets away with it because um, because of how much um, Tony Khan likes him. Right. Right. And they know that if he, if he leaves and Vince waves and dangles a bunch of money in front of him, he'll run back to Vince. Yeah. That's just what it comes down to. You know, they don't have that fear with Punk because they don't think Punk will go back to the WWE. But I think Mox will, if, if given the opportunity, you know, to, and the creative control. Mm-hmm. But a video package then airs for Darby Allen taking on Samoa Joe later on tonight. Great vignette. But I don't know how Allen gets another shot at the TNT title, considering he just lost three weeks ago to Joe. You know, it just, the title defense and title shots are being thrown around lately in both companies. It, yes. It's not making any sense. The acclaimed then take on Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal with the world tag team titles on the line. And speaking of not knowing how to put people 
uh, in the right position for a title shot. Why is Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal the number one contenders? <laughs> yeah, they have they have done nothing to deter to deserve a title shot, other than um, other than the fact that 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 Jarrett's wife is mad at the acclaimed, right? Which their rap was hysterical. I don't care oh, yeah. what she says. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And and Jeff signed off on that. He couldn't have not let you know what I mean. They couldn't have mm-hmm. done that without him knowing about it. I just said I just said somebody that you know we just were discussing about fast forwarding. The acclaimed mm-hmm. is one of the acts in AEW that if they're on, I'm going to watch. I'm not going to fast right. forward through that. Right. I agree. I agree. I could do without how much Billy Gunn is involved, but mm-hmm. I'm okay with it because they make up for it. And I've known, I've known personally Anthony Bowens for the last six and a half years, because he used to he came up in a company called We Are Wrestle Pro here in in New Jersey, and I've met him at every event they've ever had. He is one of the sweetest guys in the world. He is approachable, and I think he deserves every bit of success that he's getting. So, you know, they they definitely do their justice when it comes to being one of the best acts in AEW. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we saw a false finish, which made this a decent matchup, but nothing special. And then referee Aubrey, of course, came out flailing and overplayed her part to explain what happened. <laughs> Bowens and Caster then hit their finisher after the restart on Lethal and got the win in 17 minutes. Best part about the whole match was Caster's rap going to the ring about Jeff Jarrett mes- mentioning Vince McMahon, uh, total nonstop action, and everything else he could about Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Tony Schiavone is then backstage with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Both women say that maybe it is Soraya's house, but they built it. Britt was great in her delivery, but this feud between her and Soraya is still going on, and I'm wondering why. You know, the match was okay that they had, but nothing great. And it's just like, okay, move Britt Baker into a title picture somewhere and put Soraya as a manager. Right. Um, Do you think... Do you think do you think Sasha Banks is the uh, the mystery partner? I'm sorry, Miss Money or whatever her name is now. Miss Money? No, no, I do not because of what happens a little later on when they talk to Paige or Soraya, excuse me. Uh, And I'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, Jungle Boy made a challenge for him and Hook to take on Big Bill, the former W. Morrissey, and Lee Moriarty. I guess this could be good because I like Hook and I like Jungle Boy, but. I don't like what they did with W. Morrissey, and I don't understand why Jungle Boy has to go up against all the big tall guys in the in the company. Right. You know, this is a company that desperately needs a cruiserweight division because guys like Jungle Boy and Hook could benefit from that, and guys like Lee Moriarty and all the guys on Dark and Rampage, as mm-hmm. opposed to no, put him against Luchasaurus. He'll go through a table tonight. Oh, okay. Right. You know, it's. <laughs> Uh, Brian Danielson then took on Tony Nese in about a five-minute matchup, and despite all the outside interference from Mark Sterling and Josh Woods, Danielson destroyed Nice and got a quick win in his hometown. Rightfully so. I'll, I'll say it was the right kind of squad. So uh, post-match, though, MJF hit the ring, poked fun at Danielson. Uh, the if Lance Storm and Dean Malenko had a baby, it would still be more interesting than Brian Line was going. Yeah, this whole thing was great. (laughs) This whole thing was great. Um, You can tell, you can tell when an MJF, I've said it, MJF and Roman are the two best heels in the business. Um, If if I'm going company to company, but just just to say, 
you can tell when MJF respects someone. Right. As opposed to when he doesn't respect someone because right. he did MJF, you know, he made, he made very biting, hard remarks. However, he also facially and, and, and with his, with his, with his emotions and with his voice, he quote unquote sold really well for Daniel Bryan, Brian Without Danielson in this. Without a doubt. Danielson came back right at MJF with his own jokes. Uh, and then MJF goaded him into working his way to becoming a number one contender. He basically told him, if between now and the ending of February, you beat everybody that's put in front of you, you will have a shot at Revolution for the World Heavyweight title. I like it, but I liked what the way that Brian Danielson turned it here. Oh, I'll do that if you make it that I get a guaranteed one-hour Ironman match, mm-hmm. which I think is needed, in my opinion. Because we've seen MJF wrestle for 30 to 40 minutes before. We know that Danielson can wrestle for an hour. Let him go. Let him loose. You know what I mean? Right. These are your two top stars right now that you're putting in the main event of your pay-per-view. By all means, I want to see them go. Yes. So uh, then we had AR Fox taking on Swerve Scott Strickland. An absolute fantastic match between these two. But they always deliver, Nate. I've been watching these guys since Lucha Underground, and they've never disappointed me. You know, they, they've mm-hmm. always been on top of their game. Fox hit some heavy moves, but Strickland wouldn't have stood still and made a huge comeback. Swerve hit his double stomp finisher from the top. He gets the win in 15 minutes. And I enjoyed this one a lot. That's I've, I've been critical of AEW because sometimes they put matches that I think should be on Rampage on Dynamite, and it's just filler. But this was not that moment. This was a moment to let these two young stars shine and just go at it the way they always have. So mm-hmm. I'm happy with it. Very happy with it. So, uh, Renee then spoke with Soraya, Tony Storm, and Sheeta. They are all upset that Baker and Hayter uh, are, you know, claiming it's their house and, you know, they're the, the pillars of the company. Soraya says she's ready to put an end to this. And she says Sheeta and Tony Storm are the best wrestlers in the world for the women's division. And she knows she picks the right person when she picks Tony Storm as her partner. So it'll be Saray and Tony Storm taking on Britt Baker and uh, Jamie Hayter next week. And I guess all the Sasha Banks, uh, you know, coming to All Elite isn't true. Um, you know, I thought from what I heard in, in stories that were breaking constantly that New Japan and Tony Khan actually flipped the bill together for Sasha Banks. I, yeah, that's what I thought too, but I guess not. Yeah. So I think from what I've, I've been reading, she doesn't want to burn her bridge with WWE just yet. And if she goes to AEW, she knows she's going to get locked into a long-term contract and doesn't want to be able to not get out of it. So, mm-hmm. um, Sheeta looks really unhappy that she wasn't picked. Tony Storm and Soraya then play best friends and end the segment. You know, again, I want this feud done with, so I'm kind of happy Sasha Banks isn't involved because then it would have been escalated longer to get right. her over <laughs> Yeah, um, the the ass boys then the sons of Billy Gunn come to the ring for a mock funeral of FTR's career. Uh, this was actually well done and got these two kids over. They say FTR has lost all their titles and lost to them a couple of weeks ago on Dynamite. They got the fans all hyped up thinking FTR was there, but Tony Schiavone, who was on point, said they were in Japan last night. How could they be here? You know, yes. New Japan had Wrestle Kingdom on, on Tuesday night, but it was really Wednesday morning here. So it's like they can't, there's no way they can be here. 
So, but it was it was a great stunt. It got the fans all you know pissed off. Well done by these two young boys to get themselves over. Yeah, they they did a really good job. This is actually, I'm going to be honest. I have not. I know a lot of people like them, and that's cool. Um, I have not been. I guess they just haven't been on my radar. Like right. I, I tend to skip their shit. Um, so when I but when I when I saw that they were you know they were doing the segment where they were I noticed that they had the pictures of FTR or whatever in the background I was like okay they're talking about FTR and you know how much I love them right so I decided to watch the segment and they actually really impressed me they were they were good little shitty heels in this segment right it was it was perfect uh, and if this brings FTR back and puts them in a more prominent role in AEW before their contracts run out good. Because yes. maybe they'll resign with AEW, or we will know where they're going from here. You know, mm-hmm. a vignette for the best of seven series between Death Triangle and the Elite is shown. All ends next week in a ladder match, which I called since week one. And you know, I and haven't then, watched. You know, I haven't watched any of it, right? Yeah, I know you haven't. <laughs> and you know what? You're not missing out on anything because it's been the same match for six weeks in a row. Well, eight weeks because they took two weeks off in between each ma- each every three matches. And I mean, how many times are we going to see the same spots? Right. Plancha, plancha, suicide dive, uh, double team tombstone. Okay, here's the knee to the face. Okay, now I'm going to do a super kick. Now you do a super kick. Okay, we've seen it, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I look. I love Death Triangle. I think Pentagon and Phoenix and and uh, uh, I want to call him Pac, but you know his real name. <laughs> Uh, they, they've been great, and I think they deserve to be the trios champion. If we have to have a trios champion, mm-hmm. and the elite, they've done their part. They are, we, but I don't know if they're heels or faces. I can't tell. But it's been the same match. Why did we need a best of seven series? Right. You know, if you were going to get to a ladder match, get to a ladder match. You don't have to make us sit through eight weeks of television to get to there. It's because yeah. it's Kenny and the Bucks, and they are right. They are a. Uh... A glutton for attention, if anything. Yeah, well, they're, they're they're killing the ratings because every time they're on TV, the ratings drop. So, if that doesn't tell them something, I don't know what does. So, Tony mentions Dustin Rose lost his mom this week, and also mentions the passing of Don West. Uh, they wish the families uh, their best on their you know condolences, and it was a very big shock hearing Don West passed away. I was not even where he was sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Don West a few years back at a TNA show that was here in Railway. Great guy. He took pictures with me and my son. And of course, afterwards, I bought one of those TNA brown bags from him because why not? You know? well, and he was, he was, um, to be honest with you, watching, you know, when you go back and watch those, those first few years mm-hmm. of TNA, um, Don West was much better than anyone would give him credit for. I agree. Um, he was a great, and obviously because he was a great hype man, like a salesman, he was a great right. wrestling hype man. And him and Tanay made a great team. And Very, very well done. The um, soft-spoken Mike Tanay with the oh my God of Don West. Yes, and, and, and what I loved about Don was he was like, um, 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 why the fuck did the name just escape me? I hate when I do that. I hate when I blank yeah. on a name. But anyway, he was oh, he was like Pat McAfee. Yes. In exactly. that he he is sitting in the booth and he feels like a fan. Right. And when he's you're putting everybody over the right way. It's not a heel, 
you know, where they they, they only put over the heel personas, mm-hmm. and he's not a baby face. That oh, I love this guy, but I hate this underhanded guy. You know what I mean? He was total even keel. Yes, you know, and my, he was just. Favorite, you're just you're just sitting there with him, enjoying the show with him because he's enjoying right. the show. You know, right. My favorite Don West moment was when he he actually quit live on television, but obviously it was a work. Right. But he tells off Mike Tanay, and the way he starts cursing and yelling is like so out of character that you you kind of get taken aback and you go, oh, oh, yeah. he's really mad, you know, <laughs> because for a guy who never so much as even uttered the word shit on television, mm-hmm. which happens in wrestling because you're getting so hyped up, he he was blasting Mike Tanay. Like you sold me out. You, you've only been about yourself. You came to eat dinner at my house. You were the best man at my wedding. You were the, I'm like, damn, <laughs> this is deep. <laughs> and it, it, it was also, yeah, and it was also cool, you know, and just showing, like you said, Carl Anderson wrestling in Japan, but just showing how things have changed with WWE. I thought it was cool that Michael Cole acknowledged him on SmackDown. Yes, too. yes, he did. Uh, it was, it, it's a big blow to the wrestling world because essentially Don West was the voice of TNA. Because, yes, Mike Tanay was there, but Mike Tanay is very soft-spoken. He very mm-hmm. rarely pops during a match. But Tanay was – of a Don West was the color that Mike needed. Yes. You know, and it was yes. perfect. They worked off well together. So it was a definite blow to the wrestling world uh, hearing that Don passed last week. Um, then we go to Jade Cargill and Red Velvet taking on Hogan and uh, – Kira Hogan and Sky Blue. I didn't I feel like, that. Yeah, I feel like we've seen this match ten times. And it went the same way it always does. Hogan and Sky beat down Red, but Jade came in and cleaned house. Jade gave Red a a hard time. Red decided to walk off and leave Jade alone. But, oh, Jade is Superwoman, so she got the win by herself in seven minutes. Yeah. So they turned the baddies against Jade just because she ran out of opponents. (laughs) That's essentially what happened. So, And then we come to our main event. Darby Allin taking on Samoa Joe. Uh, and it was absolutely fantastic. Joe is a badass, and Allen can not only wrestle, but take a beating. Like I, I said earlier about Dante Martin and his brother Darius, they take that beating, but they come back. You know, uh, Samoa Joe has been a great TNT champion and laid into Allen with everything he had. Darby tried to make a comeback, but Joe had a reversal for almost everything. Darby finally got control, was able to hit his finisher, and get the win in 23 minutes. Your winner and new. TNT champion, Darby Allen. And you may disagree with me on this. This is where I said earlier where I had an opposite view on mm-hmm. who should go over, like the young guy going over the veteran. Right. I think, and I, I did watch the match because right. I love Joe. I watch anything Samoa Joe's on. And the match was great. The, uh, the match was absolutely fantastic. It didn't lose me at any time. I watched the whole, no. like you said, 23 minutes. I watched the whole thing. To me, the wrong guy went over. I think that I think that you, again, Darby has many years left in him. Right. And Joe probably doesn't, you know. But Joe is Joe is effective, and he's, he's a great monster heel. And I just think that him having those two titles – it's almost like, I and mean, it's not on the level of Roman, but it's almost like I wanted him to hold on them to them till till until a big moment. This didn't feel like a big moment. This didn't feel like I we, th- like they had built the story enough for Darby to get the victory yet. Right, and that tells me one of a couple things here because the thing I'm most upset about is 
We never got a payoff with Wardlow. He just cut Wardlow's hair off a couple of weeks ago. Yes. They should have had one more match, and if anybody should have beat him for it, it should have been Wardlow because, well, that's the guy you're passing the torch to as the next big guy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But either Joe is injured again, and you're not fully injured, but enough that he can't be there every week to defend that title, or two, Tony Khan promised that he would have less of a ring of honor presence on AEW. And Joe being the ring of honor champion was causing strife. So they said, well, let's take the TNT title off of him. Make Joe one of the prominent people on ring of honor when we finally do the show right. on, you know, the honor network and, and go from there. But like you said, it just made no sense. Okay. Darby lost three weeks ago, but then he saved Wardlow two weeks ago. And now he's got a title shot and wins. It doesn't, it, that's not enough build for me. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know and again, I mean? and, and I know you, you have the same sentiment that I do here. I'm taking nothing away from the match. Right. They had a great match. I just, I honestly, I just think the wrong guy went over in the end. I agree. If they were going to do this, it should have happened at the pay-per-view then and mm-hmm. built to it. Like, okay, let Darby have title shots. Let him lose. And Joe keeps saying, I'm not giving you another title shot, kid. And then maybe have Darby put his career on the line. Like, right. Joe, if you beat me, I'll never wrestle in AEW again. But if I win, I get the title. And then that way it means more when mm-hmm. he wins. But it's AEW and everything has always been rushed, you know, microwave rush forward booking. Yeah. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Post-match, Sting came out and celebrated with Darby. And that ends the show with a feel-good moment. I kind of thought Sting was going to turn on him. The way he raised his hand and was looking away. Like, are we heading to a, a dark Sting? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> But all in all, AEW was a good, you know, good for the first show of the new year. But there were some questionable segments. I'm tired of the Soraya Baker feud, and Jade needs a change. I'm not saying she needs to lose the title, but I think turning her either face or let her go mega heel needs to happen. You know, yeah. Um, I'm giving Dynamite a four out of five this week. A good show. Next week should be action packed, as we said. It's another big show for them with being at the forum. And uh, from what I understand, it's definitely going to be Moxley versus Adam Page. Uh, there's another title, uh, another, um, I think it's a world title match. I think MJF is going to be there. Uh, of course, Jericho and his Appreciation Society will be there. Um, they really jam-packed a lot into that two hours. So it should definitely make for a decent show. So with that being said, Nate, do you have anything that you'd like to add or anything else you'd like to say? Um, just thank you for having me on. And oh, no um, the the other thing is keep your eyes peeled, ladies and gentlemen, because as we've been talking about, as I've kind of been hyping for the past month or so, uh, this month in January of 2023, it's going to start happening. Uh, WrestleNet Radio with some expansion. Um, I'm going to be able to, with new opportunities, be able to spend a lot more time um, doing a lot more work on the shows and getting guests i've got some people that uh, you may know from professional wrestling that i'm talking to about coming on and also expanding into some video elements as well with youtube and twitch you get Um, to see us (laughs) yeah you get to see us our ugly mugs right there (laughs) um but yeah just a lot planned for the for the uh the new year and i'm glad to have the crew that we have I know we're yes. going to provide you with 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 the level of entertainment that um, that you love here at the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network, and um, that's that's really all I have. And again, like I said, Archie, thanks for having me on to to have some verbal Always diarrhea. Always a pleasure about to have you. Thing. 
always a pleasure to have you here. It's nice to have a second man in the booth sometimes because when you're going Joey Styles, you can't always be Joey Styles because there's yes. not a lot of oh my god moments going on. <laughs> uh, but like Nate said, we got a lot of new things coming up on the horizon. Make sure that you check out the We Can't Wrestle podcast, Slice of Time, the year that was Mark Cindy Spotlight where Mark gets that back up and running. Um, Gold Mac, Goldus Mac, is it Goldus Maximus? It is. Uh, what the fuck is it called? We haven't done one in months. <laughs> Maximum Gold. <laughs> Maximum Gold. Um, yes. And, and please, if you could continue to check out my new podcast with my buddies, the Nothing But Trouble podcast here on WrestleNet Radio. Our new episode just came out today as of this taping on Sunday. Uh, so go check that out. And I promise you guys, the more that you listen, the more that you participate, the more that you leave us feedback and let us know if we're messing up or if we're doing good or, hey, I don't like the sound of that guy's voice. We will reward you because the bigger we get, the bigger you get with us. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. Anything else you'd like to add, Nate? No, sir. I'm good. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. I will be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And um, until next time, if you smell la 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 la, what the arch is cooking.